congregation, open your Bibles with me, please, to John chapter 1 once more. John chapter 1. We read from the first, well, we read the first 18 verses this morning, and we'll be doing the same again. Uh, But this morning we focused in on verse 1 through 5, and this evening I'd like to continue ultimately with the same passage, reading 6 through 8 and studying 6 through 8. We'll read from verse 1 through 18 and then focus in on verse 6 through 8. Hear the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because He was before me. And from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Thus far, the reading of God's holy, inerrant, and perfect word. Let's pray. Lord, we pray now as we study about this man, John, a witness to Christ. We pray that you would teach us through him to look ever more nearly to the Savior and to witness more closely to his glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, in today's day and age, we have many different ways to get information out. Whenever we have an event or some news, we can send messages through a variety of ways. Of course, there's always uh, the tried and true mail, but more often nowadays we use the Internet or we use our phones. We call people. We send them text messages. We send them messages through Facebook or through any other number of social media sites. In the past, we didn't have this blessing. In the past, it was quite a bit different. 
many centuries ago, it was the common practice when there was some important piece of news or some important event for the king or one of the royals to send out a herald. And this herald was to go out and he had a very important job. It was his job to go out into the highways, into the byways, or sometimes to particular places and people, and to declare the very important news that he had to give. He would go to this place he was told to go, he would give the news and tell everyone in the region, or the specific people. And when this herald went out, furthermore, it was his job to only speak that which the king had ordered him to speak, and no more. To be faithful to the message that was entrusted to him. These heralds often had very important news, and they were not allowed to make up their own messages. As they were the representatives of the royals, you might say, it was their task so that everyone knew exactly what the king wanted them to know. Well, congregation, when you consider the life of John the Baptist, you will find his work is not very different than that. John is, we might say, a herald. Not a herald of some earthly king, but a herald of God most high. A witness giving testimony to something or someone rather very important, Jesus Christ. John is sent to prepare the way for Jesus. We saw this morning that though Christ is preeminent, there are many who do not and will not recognize him. As verse 5 says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome, or perhaps better translated, understood it. So God sends John, this this man who is a true man, to be a witness, a testimony, a herald, if you will, of our Savior. Should be rather important then for us, if John was sent, to know who he is, why he's sent, what purpose he's sent for. Let's consider then tonight, using these verses, the life of John the Baptist, to study who he was, who he was not, what was his purpose. And we'll do that by asking a few simple questions of the passage. First, we'll ask, who was John sent by? Second, we'll ask the passage, why was he sent? And ultimately, for what purpose, in the third place, was he sent? Who was he sent by? Why was he sent? For what ultimate purpose was he sent? We begin in the first place with the question, who was John sent by? Who was John sent by? The evangelist answers this question very clearly. He begins in verse 6. He says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Our congregation, if anyone was sent by God, it was this John. If we were to consider John's life, look along the span of his life, we would find his life was full of proofs of a heavenly employer. 
a divine provenance, that he came from or was sent by, rather, God. Consider before John's birth, centuries before he was born, God spoke of his coming to prepare the way for Christ. The gospel writers speak of this in many different places, but it should be clear from this that ultimately if God speaks of John centuries before his coming, well, he was sent by God. Mark chapter 1 verses 2 and 3 says it this way, quoting from two different prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John was sent by God, and we have evidence of it before he was even conceived. But what about before he was born? Well, time and time again, God demonstrates that John is sent by him. We could look at a, a variety of proofs of this. John was conceived by an infertile woman, someone who had not had children. And furthermore, this woman was an old woman, someone uh, far beyond the age of childbearing. And yet, while he was yet in his mother's womb, he displayed that God had given him the Holy Spirit, leaping in his mother's womb at the presence of Jesus. His mother being filled with the Holy Spirit, at that moment, to proclaim Christ. His conception and his birth was such a great sign that when John's father refused to believe it, he was forced to be mute for the entirety of his wife's pregnancy and for a few days afterwards. Furthermore, during John's time as a minister, John proved that he was sent by God. God blessed his work mightily to such an extent that even though he lived in the middle of nowhere, in the desert, nonetheless, all Israel, Scripture says, came out to meet with him. They went to be baptized. They went to listen to his preaching. And his sermons weren't anything complicated. They were rather often harsh words. And yet people ate it up. They wanted to hear because they knew he was a man sent by God. Jesus himself notes this in Matthew 11. He says, What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. What did you go out to see? A man dressed in king's, excuse me, a man dressed in soft clothing. Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. Truly I say to you, among those born of woman, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. If anyone was important, if anyone was a divine messenger, it was John himself. There is no greater uh, man who is man alone than John, says Christ himself. Brothers and sisters, while John was sent by God, John nevertheless is not God. 
when the evangelist introduces John to us, he wants to make it very plain that John is not the preeminent Christ that we saw this morning. He's not the one that Israel had been waiting for as the promised Christ. He is not that eternal word, that divine word. He is not the creator. He is not even the illuminator. No, John the evangelist tells us here in verse 8, very briefly and very clearly, he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Well, this is such a small passage of the text, it's nonetheless an incredibly important point. Something which we need to consider with great care. John the Baptist was a great man, but he was not the Christ. He was not the one Israel had been waiting for, not the king of Israel. He was a simple herald of the king. Why is this important? Because we have a tendency to worship the created instead of the creator. John was sent by God, but he was not God. We have a tendency to grow distracted, though, by the blessings that God has given us and worship them instead of worshiping the one they point to. Take the example of John here. God vested his preaching with power. <clears throat> At one point, many people in Israel thought that he was the Messiah. If we look on a little later in the chapter, this same chapter, the people of Israel begin to ask John, Are you the one we've been waiting for? Are you the Messiah? And he declares, no. Even today, there are people who, despite John's preaching against it, believe that he is a great leader to be followed. They're not a large group, to be fair, but even today there are people that believe John to be someone important and Jesus to be nothing. But the same place, the same thing takes place not only with small groups, but also throughout the church and among the Christian church, people who call themselves Christians. Catholics today declare that they follow Christ. And yet, what do they do but worship saints and give their glory and their praise to people who followed Christ? This can be the case even in the Reformed Church, in the RPCNA. Hero worship can be a very real problem. We lift up Calvin or John Knox or modern preachers like R.C. Sproul, Sinclair Ferguson, or you could name quite a few others, I'm sure. And we take them out of their proper place and we imagine that somehow they're important. All the while we forget that people like this are sent by one much greater. To get an image for this, imagine, if you will, a family that leaves Colorado Springs, they get their family together, they all pile into a car, and they drive all the way to Yellowstone, somewhat eight, ten hours away. They get to Yellowstone, they park outside the, the entrance, they find the big sign, they take a picture with the sign that says Yellowstone National Park, 
and they say, all right, kids, let's get back in the car. We're going home. We saw what we had to see. Wouldn't that be ridiculous? Or imagine somebody who receives an invitation to a wedding, and they say, that's great, and then they don't go to the wedding because, they, well, they got the invitation. That's the important part. Wouldn't we consider people like this to be rather strange? When they ignore the thing that the sign is pointing to, the truly important thing, John was sent by God, but he was not God himself. Let's not be distracted by the power, the location, the place he came from, but rather let us remember that there is one greater. Yet, that brings up the question, if John was sent by God, why was he sent? What, after all, was John pointing to? If he's not pointing to himself, he's got to be pointing to someone, right? What is John sent for? Why was John sent? Verse 7 answers this question very aptly. It says, He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light. And then in verse 8 again, He came to bear witness about the light. John came to witness. John came to witness the light. This same light that we looked at this morning when we spoke of the preeminence of Christ, the one who is the light of the world, John came to bear witness to him. It was his task to point to Christ, to look to Christ, to say, look at this one. Don't look at me, look at Christ. Look at the light of the world. Once again, if we examine the, light of John, the life of John, we'll see this is exactly what he does. Even his birth into the world is a witness of Christ's coming. Zechariah makes a proclamation about his son soon after John's birth when he says, You, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of sins. Look a little further down the life of John, and what do we see him doing? He constantly, consistently, moment by moment, points to Jesus Christ. Says, look to him. Look for me, or look with me a moment at what John does in this very chapter in John 1. Look at verse 23. And what does John say? Verse 23. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah has said. Verse 26 and 27. John answered them, I baptize with water. But among you stands one whom you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. Verse 29 and 30. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. Verse 32. 
John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. Verse 34, I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. Verse 35 and 36, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus and walked as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. Time and time and time again, John, a man sent by God, a man whom everyone looks to, says, Don't look at me. Look to Christ. Yet a little later in John 3, people begin to stop following this John the Baptist. They begin to follow Jesus, and yet John declares with joy, this is exactly what's supposed to happen. He says, verse 29 and 30 of John 3, This joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Brothers and sisters, John did his task of preaching Christ well. Once more then, let me remind you, John was not the light. Verse 9 tells us, though we're not focusing on the passage, verse 9 tells us the true light, which illuminates every man, was coming into the world. Let's take a step back for a moment. If John was such a great man, such a man of power, a man whose work shook Israel to its core, and his entire task was to point to Jesus, then how much greater is Jesus? How much greater is the king than the herald? How much greater is the preeminent one, the one we studied this morning, if his witness was such a powerful figure? Commentator Matthew Henry says about this passage, John was a star, like the star which guided the wise men to Christ, a morning star, but he was not the sun. He was not the bridegroom, but a friend of the bridegroom. He was not the prince, but his harbinger or his, his herald. To apply this to our lives today for a moment, we need to know that any time we as believers seek to witness, if we point to ourselves or to the church or to anyone but Christ, we have failed in our purpose. After all, what is Christ's final command to us as he ascends into heaven? Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. God commands us to do the same task that John does. So if we point to ourselves or to the church, we have failed in what we do. So many people witness to their unbelieving friends, their family, or their co-workers. But instead of pointing to Christ, they're afraid that maybe these people will reject them for the light of Christ. And so, what do they do? They point to other things. They say, well, I really love this new church I'm going to. I'm so much happier now that I'm a member of this church. You should hear my church. And the way we sing a cappella, it's so beautiful. If only you would come to my church, well, you'd probably be happy there. 
Or maybe they, they speak about themselves and they say, well, look at all the things that I've changed in my life since coming to Christ. No, I'm not disparaging pointing to the beauty of Christ of Christ's people. I'm not disparaging pointing to the fact that Christ does change our lives. But what I'm saying is that when we witness, our witness should be as John's. Our witness should be a witness to Christ, the King, the preeminent one, the perfect one. If you're not speaking of Christ, your teaching and your preaching has missed the point. The same thing, uh, elders, applies to you. And in a special way as leaders of this church. It is your task to teach and to guide the church. And if you are to guide the church without Christ, you have lost the plot. You have missed what the church is to be about. John pointed to Christ. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, let us do the same. And furthermore, if we look to John here, let's not be blinded by his light. Rather, let's look forward to the greater light, the true light. By the ministry of John, look to the one he was pointing to. Jesus Christ, the light of the world. In the third place, however, we need to ask, what was John's final goal? What was John's final goal? This is the last thing that the evangelist mentions in our text about John. To the purpose he was sent, he says, in verse uh, 7, He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him that all might believe through him. As simple as that. John's purpose in life, his desire as a witness, his end goal was never to bring glory to himself, never to point to himself, but his end goal was that we might believe in Christ. Not simply to witness to Christ, but so that we might believe on him. Christ's first disciples, if we were to examine his life, come from John. John chapter 1, verse 36 and 37 tells us that after John had witnessed to Jesus time and time again, these two disciples go to speak with him and to follow him. John the Baptist continued to lose disciples as Jesus gained them. Because people went from John and looked to Christ and began to follow him. John's last disciples in his life were pointed to Christ so that they might believe on him. John's final recorded action in Matthew chapter 11 were to send people to Jesus. To send his disciples to speak, to listen to Jesus and to ask, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And even after his death, John's actions provide a strong stepping stone to Christ, because in Acts 19, Paul speaks to some followers 
of John, saying, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. You can read that passage in Acts chapter 19. So brothers and sisters, all of this should teach us that John's goal, his ultimate desire in pointing to Christ, was that those who heard him might believe. Those who heard him would trust in Christ. Once more, and with this, then it should be very, very clear. John was not the light. John was not the one. He wanted people to trust in Christ. John, as we, well, John was sent by God. But as we saw this morning, Jesus is God. John was sent as a witness, but Jesus is the one he was witnessing about. John was full of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit never departed from Christ. John baptized with water, but Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John was not the light, but Jesus Christ was, as verse 9 tells us, the true light which was coming into the world, which gives light to everyone. John was a great man. He was not worthy of taking the sandals off of Jesus' feet. Brothers and sisters, this, the life of John, ultimately should point us to Christ. Where the world in its blindness cannot see Christ, John testifies nonetheless. And his testimony, his task as a herald, should teach us to look to the Savior. So as we conclude this life of John, as we look at who he was, and as we look at who he was not, his life should be applied to our lives in a couple of ways. First, congregation. And most importantly, if John was testifying to Christ, then we should look to Christ. Do you know the man that John was testifying about? Do you know this Christ, this preeminent one? Do you know the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world? Have you come to Christ to follow him? Don't let yourself be deceived by worshiping the Creator instead of the created. Don't let yourself look to a pastor or an elder or yourself or anything else. Look to Christ. John wants you to look to Christ. John the Evangelist wants you to look to Christ. Because in Christ and in Christ alone do we find forgiveness. Do we find uh, blessing? Do we find the Holy Spirit? Do we find true, true righteousness? If you don't know Christ, congregation, my encouragement, my prayer, and John's command, and God's command this evening is that you look 
to the one John was witnessing of. That you look to this one, this true light. That even though so much of the world cannot understand Christ, look to the one John witnesses to. And in second place, if you are truly in Christ, brothers and sisters, let's learn to imitate Christ by imitating John's witness. The witness of every minister, every elder, and even every Christian should be like the witness of John. Because after all, as Christ declares, go and make disciples of all nations, well, every believer to some extent, certainly not in the same way that John was, but every believer is sent by God to bear witness to Christ that all might believe on him. As such, if we truly follow this path, if we look to Christ, we ought to lead people to the gospel, to cry, Behold the Lamb of God, to teach repentance and to declare, He must increase and I must decrease. But on the other hand, congregation, we ought also to know our place. Just like John, if we are in Christ, we ought to know very clearly we are not the light of the world. We're not the one who illuminates every person. And so when we don't witness to Christ, when we witness to ourselves, when we're full of pride over the things we know of Scripture, and instead of preaching Christ, we preach ourselves, or we preach anything but Him, we are doing harm to those we witness to instead of help. When witnessing to others of your faith, what is the character of your witness, brothers and sisters? Don't witness by telling the world primarily about how happy you are to be a part of the church. I'm not saying you shouldn't ever mention that. Don't let that be the focus of your, of your witness. Don't seek to witness by telling the world you've left behind this or that vice. Again, I'm not saying you should never witness about how Christ has changed you. But don't let that be the focus of your witness. Let it be your task, brothers and sisters, to point to Christ and to let Christ, the true light, do the rest. After all, he is the one who illumines everyone, who gives light to every person. Let our preaching be, if we are truly in Christ, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I must decrease. He must increase. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you today considering the life of John. A powerful man, yet not the light. Teach us through the life of John, Lord, to look through him to the Savior. To look to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. To rest and to trust in him alone. To believe on him alone. 
to place our faith nowhere else but in Christ. And teach us further, Lord, if we are to witness of our Savior, if we are to be these heralds of the Christ, the one who has come, teach us to witness to him alone. To flee self-serving, to flee pride, to flee any sort of uh, witnessing to our own blessings, but to point to Christ and what he has done. In Jesus' name, amen.